Welcome to the Podscape. What? Ooh, yeah. You understand, baby? Dig it? Let me tell you another thing. First name John, last name Baker. Uh-huh. Brother. Hello and welcome to the pod ski. I'm your host, the man of a thousand gimmicks, John Baker. And whew, it we're back again. I thought we were gonna get away from this, but we're not. We're back with more WWE talk, and it got super loud last night on Tuesday. This was an insane occurring of events that took place. Kind of it all unfolded in the evening and then it really turned up later in the evening into the night. So we're going to get into all that. I do want to apologize. We were going to do a different topic today, but just based off this news, I can't do it. So I'm going to push off the episode that I was going to do this week to next week. I'm going to do Triple H's 2002 return. Yes, I know. I'm the Triple H mark. So this was something that I wanted to cover mainly because it happened for the very first episode of Raw in 2002 is Triple H's return. So we're going to cover that next week. But this WWE news of a potential sale. Yeah, you heard that correct. A sale. Got super loud last night. Nothing is confirmed or reported. Actually, as of this recording, we've actually gotten more clarification on it that WWE high-ranking source said that these are completely false and untrue and there has been no sale made. However, multiple outlets had reported without confirming any of this last night. They were reporting that WWE had come to terms on a sale with the Saudi public investment firm. And when you hear Saudi public investment firm, yes, that is the same people they've been dealing with for Crown Jewel. It's exactly what you think it is and it's insane to think about that WWE could be sold to potentially these people it's as a fan quite frankly it's scary I know that from we're gonna get it in, get into all the details here however like as a fan I am disappointed if this is true we've already been told it's not true but if there's any truth to any of it you you as a fan, this isn't something that you can be happy about because there's no certainty of what's going to happen. It's literally going international and it's going to go private. So that takes, I mean, it's, it's, there's so much things to get into. So we're just going to start from, if you haven't already listened to the emergency pod, we're going to basically do a rehash and a recap of everything that was in the emergency pod because when you put all the pieces together it's going to be a more comprehensive timeline of events because when I recorded the emergency pod I didn't quite have everything together I had a lot of stuff together but just want to make sure that you know we're kind of getting everything out there and putting on I'm no journalist I'm just a wrestling fan just want to put that first and foremost I am just a regular dude that likes to watch wrestling with everybody else that gets on this channel we're just regular dudes and women that love wrestling. So I just want to get that out there that uh, all of this has been reported. None of it has been confirmed. And, you know, it's been duped by a high-ranking source in WWE that this all of this is untrue. So we're going to take all of it with a grain of salt. But if multiple people, when there's smoke, there's fire. How many times have we heard that in the wrestling business? Where there is smoke, there is fire. So... Basically, what had happened on Friday 
late Friday evening is Vince McMahon was brought back in as the as the head of the board of directors after announcing his retirement from uh, creative and the the executive chairman. Company allegedly used company funds as hush money. We already talked about this earlier too. So all of these are allegations, and there's investig there's an ongoing investigation, and they've already you know released some stuff and to the payout of like over twenty million dollars that he's done over the years for this alleged acts and you know now there's even a now there's even a rape case with uh rita chatterman so that it's it's pretty messy for vince mcmahon in the pretty much we all know that vince is morally bankrupt anyways we shouldn't be surprised just watching his on-screen character everybody says that your on-screen character is just an extended version of yourself turned up to 10. So how can anyone not believe these things that are happening? Now we're just going to say this all allegations. Um, I mean, we all know that Vince is morally bankrupt and clearly if he's going to sell to, you know, the Saudis that, you know, clearly he's morally bankrupt. He's literally lost his marbles. Vince, while he retired, stepped down and all that, he still remained majority shareholder of the company so like he didn't sell his shares he didn't do any of that so he still had true power where the power lays and pretty much what he did was he used his power that he had to put himself back in place to run the company again this all took place on last friday so all of this came out so it all started on december 20th where vince wrote a letter to the board of directors in that letter he said, throughout my entire tenure with the company, I have always been committed to doing what I believe is in the best interest of WWE, its employees, shareholders, fans, and other stakeholders. It is it is also why I voluntarily retired from the company during the pendency of the special committee's investigation and fully cooperated with the committee and its independent counsel's process. My retirement was intended to give the special committee and its independent counsel and the rest of the board time and space it needed to understand and respond to the allegations. Now that the complete the completion of the special committee investigation has been publicly disclosed, I believe WWE has a unique opportunity during this critical juncture to maximize value for its shareholders and other stakeholders. Specifically, given the rapid evolving media landscape in which more and more companies are seeking its own intellectual property offered on their streaming platforms, I firmly believe that this is the best thing to do for all of WWE shareholders and other stakeholders is to undertake a comprehensive review of strategic alternatives. I am confident that our shareholders will support this decision. Basically, what Vince wanted was to come back in and he want, he basically wants to get a new media rights deal and he wants to sell. It's pretty obvious from his wording there. The immediate takeaways from this letter on December 20th is... Is Vince acting logical here? Is this is this something ir illogical for him to think or act upon? For me, I can't say that it is illogical. Who better than Vince to lead the charge to get that final paycheck? I mean, who? There, there's literally no way that Vince was going to sit back and approve a sale and not be the one leading the charge. He's built the thing from the ground up. It's totally understandable from that standpoint that listen i the reason that all of you are here is because of me and i should be the one that's going to receive that anywhere from what's being reported is 
the valuation of it is five billion to eight and a half billion dollars. That is a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And I absolutely believe that Vince should be in control of that. Mainly because he still owns those shares, regardless of how you feel about his like creative decisions or his, you know, moral decisions. It totally makes sense in my eyes for him to make that decision. But really, how insane is it that Vince has created this publicly traded company where it doesn't matter what happens? Vince holds all of the cards and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Think about that. Like, I I had listened to a lot of, I did a lot of research and in that research, you know, I come across what Eric Bischoff said and Eric Bischoff made a really, really good point. So shout out to Bischoff. I know we don't always see eye to eye on everything, but Vince sat and watched what happened to Ted. And by Ted, I mean Ted Turner, the former owner of WCW. So D- Ted, if you read Guy Evans's book on Nitro and WCW and all that, Ted had no idea he was getting run out of his company until it was way too late. And Vince basically set a structured a company where it doesn't matter. People can make plays no matter what against him. And he still holds the final say in everything, no matter what it's, it's so interesting. One, the fact that how this company is structured and, and all that, but it's, it's so interesting. And there's just so many factors in here that are really intriguing. And what makes Vince not look as illogical as what a lot of fans think that he is. But it's just really crazy to think about how quickly things have changed. And not only in while Vince was gone, but how quickly they've changed since Friday. I mean, like we're talking, it's Wednesday, January 11th, and the, all of this has turned upside down in a matter of days. So that was Vince's, that was Vince's initial letter that he sent on December 20th. Seven days later on December 27th, the board issued a response. We fully agree with your assessment of the company's management team is exceptional, and we are pleased to hear that Stephanie, Nick, and Paul, and the rest of the management team have your full and unconditional support. We believe that our investors, employees, and fans agree there is a tremendous excitement at the company and among our fan base, and our stock price has grown more than 40% in in just the last year. We remain optimistic about the continued success of the management team and the WWE franchise overall, and we believe your support is critical to the success as you know it is our fiduciary obligation to continue to act in a way we believe that best interests the company and its shareholders we have always taken that responsibility very seriously and all of our decisions guided by this duty with respect to your suggestion regarding the process to evaluate strategic alternatives and your role in that process we are prepared to initiate such process and we are happy to work with you to ensure that this is the best process for the company and its shareholders. Indeed, we would welcome you and your advisors playing an important role in this process, including working together to identify a full range of potential alternatives and counterparties. To that end, we suggest that your bankers and lawyers meet with our bankers and lawyers in the first week of January to discuss the best move forward in this process together. 
Although we welcome your participation in the launch of a strategic alternative review process, it is our unanimous view that your return to the company at this time while government investigations into your conduct by the U.S. Attorney's Office, the SEC, are still pending, we would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. This determination is based on a variety of factors. Here's the kicker. Including non-public information the board has become aware of and the risks the company and its shareholders are placing a greater spotlight on these issues. So, a lot of juicy info in there. Not saying that they... What's not juicy is the fact that they would want to work with Vince. Obviously, that would be a really intelligent, you know, discussion point to have with Vince and sit down and have, you know, his people meet with their people. He's He has final say. Obviously... You know, you would want to have the person that holds all the voting power. You would want him to be in on your discussions with this. The real kicker in all of that is the non-public information that the board has uncovered. So what did the board find? Or is that so it, there's two ways we could really look at that. Is that a threat? That the board is going to release more information on Vince or are they just calling his bluff? So I, I don't know, but they unanimously voted to not allow him back onto the board. So everybody voted no. And that's where we're at on December 27th. Vince responds on December 31st. Four days later, his letter reads, I appreciate your timely response to my December 20th letter. However, it is surprising that you did not address what I had sought to make clear in my letter, namely that we have a unique but narrow window of opportunity to maximize shareholder value by continuing the by combining the upcoming media rights negotiation while strategic review process of the board acknowledges its right of course of action for our shareholders and that the only way to fully capture this opportunity is by having me the company's founder and controlling shareholder return as executive chairman at this critical time so that I can work alongside the management team to unify the decision making related to these two interconnected initiatives. I would like to be clear that unless I have direct involvement and input as executive chairman from the onset, I will not be able to support or approve any media rights deals or strategic transactions. This position is not driven by self-interest or lack of confidence in the company's management team, but rather by my commitment to doing what is best for WWE and its shareholders and by making my strong belief that maximizing the outcome of these processes will require coordination and unified and efficient decision-making. I sincerely hope we can work together to unlock this tremendous value potential. There is no rationale for your position that my return to the company would not be prudent from a shareholder perspective. To the contrary, my return to the context of the media rights negotiations and potential value maximizing strategic transaction is necessary precisely from a shareholder perspective because it will allow WWE to engage in these processes knowing they will have the full support of the controlling shareholder. Further, the special committee of the board has concluded its investigation and presumably all of its material findings have been publicly disclosed by the company. And nothing has been communicated to me or any matter that would prevent me from returning to the board. Whew. Vince comes back with the ultimate ego statement 
So is he being, is this the ultimate ego of Vince McMahon or is this like a legitimate business perspective move? I think it's a little bit of both. And basically what we did find out later on in the weekend is that while Vince was making these power plays to get back on the board, he was trying to take over creative from Triple H. So, you know, Vince is saying one thing, but he's talking out the other side of his ass at the same time. Like, <laughs> you can't tell me that if you're going to be going and saying that, well, I'm only coming back for the media rights deal. Oh, hey, but don't forget, I want creative. Thankfully, he didn't get creative. I guess the other thing is that we've seen the per our perception of Vince has always been the on-screen character. And you, we've heard tons of stuff about Vince over the years that is just so outlandish of what kind of person he is. He's ultra competitive. He's just so driven in the business. And it all seems like based off of his actions afterwards, it just makes me feel like it's just a load of BS that he's just abusing his power to get back in to the position that he rightfully, sadly, deserves. <laughs> the one thing that I did want to point out in all of these, and I pointed it out in the emergency pod too, is that what, what another fascinating factor about all of this is in every single one of these letters, every little word, every letter that is typed is all, they're all looked at. And the, the gymnastics of the legal process that is happening in all of these in the legal terms and it's it's really interesting to read. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in a company. I mean, I'm not in the corporate world, so I wouldn't understand. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't fully understand everything about business like this. However, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in a corporate world. Where a guy gets kicked out, he's brought back in, he tries to take over, and whew, it's just it's just a lot. There was, and that was on December 31st. So five days later, we didn't know any of this was happening at the time. But five days later, the Wall Street Journal, we'd only heard rumblings at this point about Vince wanting to get back in. And we're all kind of like, eh, there's no way Vince can get back in. Like, come on, let's be real. Like, he was, he was removed. He has all these allegations against him. Like, let's be honest. Well, January 5th happens. The Wall Street Journal posts an article that Vince's plan to return is already in motion. Clearly, by we didn't have these letters at the time. Obviously, this is what was happening behind the scenes. So Vince's statement, this was shortly after uh, the Wall Street Journal thing came out. WWE is entering a critical juncture in its history with the upcoming media rights negotiations coinciding with increased industry-wide demand for quality content and live events with more and more companies seeking its own intellectual property on their platforms. The only way WWE to fully maximize this opportunity is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and combine that with a review of strategic alternatives. My return will allow WWE as well as any transaction counterparties to engage in these processes, knowing that they will have my full support as controlling shareholder. So he just basically reiterated everything that he was saying in his letters. And now this was starting to become public and all that. So here's what happens the following morning, 9 a.m., January 6th. This was last Friday. Vince McMahon is officially back in the WWE Board of Directors 
along with George Berrios and Michelle Wilson. There's the kicker. There is where everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So if you know George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, they were co-presidents of the board. They had been longtime high executives within the company for a lot of years, and they were fired. F-I-R-E-D, fired. For the current CEO, Nick Khan, to come in and get that deal done for Peacock because they weren't get, they weren't going to get it done. They were fired, and now all of a sudden they're brought back into the fold. For Vince to come back to the board, three members were removed without cause. And Joellen Lyons-Dillon, Jeffrey R. Speed, and Alan M. Wexler, uh, they were all removed from the board without cause. Now... I didn't talk about this in the emergency pod because I didn't know about this at the time. But two other members, additional members, so five members were removed from the board. These two other ones, they just flat out quit. One of them being one of the direct, well, one of the board members that was leading the investigation against Vince to get him removed. Once Vince got back into the board, that guy quit along with somebody else. So, whew, that is something. And while Vince was pushing himself back into the board, he instituted new bylaws to WWE. So now any media rights deal or potential sales have to go through his final approval as majority shareholder. <laughs> so he just gave himself even more power. How aggressive is that for him to just blast his way through there, full Ari Gold? Just running right through the office and just, I'm taking over this place again. This is my, I built this. Like, I just don't, I just can't believe that they brought back Berrios and Wilson after they were fired. And what kind of dynamic does that bring back to the table? Because they left Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan. They were going to, they were remaining as co CEOs. Triple H was going to remain head of creative and, Vince McMahon was back on the board of directors. Vince said that this was going to not impede on any day-to-day -day activities. So it wasn't going to affect Steph. It wasn't going to affect Nick. It wasn't going to affect H. Well, if you're bringing in the people that were fired to bring in Nick Khan, I have to think that, you know, there's going to be some issues. A lot of people kind of thought at this point, one Friday that NBC was going to be the one that was going to be in line. NBC is, uh, you know, Comcast, all that, like they're all lumped into one. So basically Comcast was going to come in and buy this thing. They also brought in JP Morgan to facilitate the sale. So that was another thing that happened along with instituting the bylaws, moving himself into the board of directors and to, bring in JP Morgan and that's a, from what I understand that's a pretty normal thing you bring in somebody like that to facilitate a, a sale that way everything gets done properly so like things like this take time that was kind of where we left off on the pod I, I didn't include the JP Morgan stuff because I was unaware of that at the time of the emergency recording as well so now that we're all caught up on everything that had happened in the emergency pod, now we're going to get every we're going to get caught up with everything that happened in within the last 24 hours. If you're keeping score at home, 
Here's what happened in the last 24 hours. Stephanie McMahon puts in her resignation Tuesday evening after Vince's last letter stating that there would be no changes in management. There would be no changes to the day-to-day activities. That's literally what I just got done saying. Here we go. Tuesday evening, Stephanie is inputting her resignation. That is a big shakeup because a lot of people within WWE really, really like Steph. The fans, we really we love Steph. I mean, how, how can you really hate Steph? Yes, her father is morally broke dirt bag, but we, we all love Steph. And apparently the rumor is that Triple H was removed from creative. Now, that's not been confirmed. That's not, that's only what, that's only a rumor. So, Triple H being, as of this recording, it's still effective that Triple H is head of creative, even though Vince wanted creative whenever he was moving in on Friday. Steph leaving Triple H, what does that mean for Triple H? Like, is is he going to stay within the company? I have to imagine, yes. Triple H loves his business. He loves his company. He, you know, I, I don't think he's going to leave the company. And he, he's been the company guy all, all along. So um, here's where shit hits the fan. So v- Steph puts in a resignation. Immediately, the board unanimously votes Vince as executive director an executive chairman of WWE again. So if I, if we're following along and paying attention on that December 27th letter to Vince, they said that they unanimously voted against him being brought back as executive chairman. Now, all of a sudden Stephanie is removed or Stephanie puts in her resignation now the board unanimously votes you in after you've effectively kicked out six people that were on that board. Now that, that is interesting. So rumors start flying on Twitter. They're, they are all over the place. Everyone just keeps tweeting that something is happening. We don't know what's happening. We, we can't confirm anything. Uh, I, I saw Dave tweeted. I saw Sean Ross Sapp tweeted. Everybody was tweeting about it. And around 10 p.m., we get some clarity that there was a deal in place for WWE to sell to the Saudi public investment firm. Now, if you're familiar with the Saudi public investment firm, they are the same company that started Live Golf. So Live Golf was supposed to be this alternative to the PGA Tour, and they were throwing out a poop ton. And I mean a poop ton of money to get golfers, well-known golfers, so many of those, like like Greg Norman, like legendary golfers, left the PGA Tour to go to live. Now, the issue with that is that <laughs> from what we know, the Saudi public investment firm, majority of their money is made through offshore companies, international companies like Tesla, Uber, and blood money. We'll just call it what it is. Their other money that they make is blood money. And 
that was where the big drawback came with Live Golf is that the fact that these people were selling out to go take blood money. And that's pretty much what it looked like as of last night at 10 p.m. that WWE was now bought with blood money. What does that mean? So it's the, the other big thing with Live Golf is that nobody would touch them in the United States. So if WWE was trying to navigate a media rights deal for their intellectual property and their content, why would they align themselves with a company that couldn't even get Live Golf on television in the United States? I don't know. But it's a big deal. Like, personally, if I'm looking at this, like, as I said when we started the pod, as a fan, uh, there's a load of disappointment if this is where they're going. Now, none of this is, this has all been proven to be untrue, but, you know, a lot of people don't start throwing out the this stuff unless there's smoke where there's fire. And I have to believe that they were super, super close to something and something must have happened where they realized that the public backlash, not only, I don't really think Vince cares about public black backlash, but how does a publicly traded company sell to a Saudi public investment firm? And while you're already under investigation with the U.S. attorney's office and you're under investigation with the SEC, like, these are all federal investigations, so why would you make that sale? I uh, I mean, I don't know, but the other thing to add to this, too, is that this was a mere four days, five days, after you've just instituted yourself. So what that looks like to me is that you already had a buyer lined up. And the other kicker to this, too, is that the, uh, the report saying is that they were the Saudi public investment firm was going to be buying it and they were going to be taking the company private again. So if you're taking a company private, you have to have mega and I mean mega dollars to do that. So if you're doing that, the only people that can really do that is the Saudi government because they're literally just loaded with cash. It's a bad look. Swiftness of this whole entire thing is kind of what's really throwing people back. Like, how can how how is this happening so quickly? Because a lot of people always say that, you know, these sales of these companies, they take forever. They take months. And within a mere four days, you know, we're WWE was already sold to the Saudis. So I think that's why that there's a lot of drawback right now. But I mean, whew, it's just not a good look. So let's cover the stock numbers here. So this is this is what I find to be really, really interesting. So I've mentioned shareholders and I've mentioned voting rights a lot in here already. So I kind of want to go over what that really means. So we'll start with the shares. Linda McMahon owns about 0.7% of the shares. And this is as of March of 2022. Stephanie McMahon owns 2.5%. American Century Investments owns about 3.3%. Vanguard Investments owns about 5.4%. BlackRock owns 7.8%. Linzel Train owns 14.9%. 
and Vince McMahon owns 37.6% of the shares. So the other 59, there, there's a lot of, if you look at a pie chart, about 27.6%, the remaining, that's all owned by other investment financial institutions, and they don't have voting power. So all of these people that I've mentioned, excluding the McMahons, they're all what they're calling class A share. That's basically a normal share, normal that you would buy in everyday stocks and all that and shares and whatnot. That's what the normal the normal Joe Schmo buys. Now, when you start a company on when you start a company like this that's going to be publicly traded, typically family members in that company they get what are called Class B shares. Class B shares are shares that hold 10 times the voting power as a Class A share does. So if you add the Class B shares in voting power, so this is what really, this, this is the main kicker in all of this. This is the voting power breakdown. American Century Investments, they have 0.7% of voting power. Vanguard has 1.2%. Of voting power. Linda McMahon has 1.6% of voting power. BlackRock has 1.7% of voting power. Linzel Train has 3.2% of the voting power. Stephanie McMahon has 5.2% of the voting power. 5.9% of the goes to the financial institutions as well that they were just mentioned earlier with 80.6% of the voting power going to Vince McMahon. That tells you all you need to know about Vince being the controlling shareholder. He has only 36% of the shares, but they are a class B option, which turns out to be 80% of the voting power. Vince holds all the cards. Those are some really big breakdowns and takeaways that's all provided by WrestleNomics, Brandon Thurston. If you don't follow him on Twitter, give him a follow. He has really, really interesting numbers and breakdowns of, he really gets into the business side of wrestling. He has a really good account. So I really wanted to cover how that breaks down because I had talked a lot about shares and voting and all that. So I wanted to get that out of the way before, you know, we kind of move into this morale and fallout. So if we're going to get into the morale and fallout, a lot of this was done that came out. A lot of this came out as NXT was getting ready to kick off or as it was happening. So the Steph News reportedly had made several talents upset because like many, uh, they really like Steph a lot in the company as talents and they, they didn't want to see her go. And I think it's pretty clear why she left because she was either going to be the holdup in Vince or she doesn't want to be a part of a Saudi-owned property. Understandable both ways. Uh, the people at Backstage, when they were finding the this out, they were all um, noted as being afraid for their jobs and, and for the company. Uh, multiple talents uh, claimed that they were going to quit WWE if the sale was true. I don't. I only know of a few that I can think of off the top of my head. Probably somebody like Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn would quit. Um, but there really hasn't been any other issues with talent not wanting to go to Saudi. Those are the only two notable ones. 
I guess the really big question is if that would if this sale goes through, what does that mean for WWE and its advertising? You know, the video, the other, all of the other relationships that they have, like, what does that mean for the video games? What does that mean for the figures? What does that mean for TV? Because if you, if you become a Saudi owned company by that investment firm, like NBC could just say, screw you, Vince. Like, we don't want to be a part of that. So we're taking you off TV. Like there is some really big ripple effects in all of this. If this is true which we've already come out and said numerous times that this is not true. Um, this is only speculation and what it was reported. So this is what we're going with. I mean, like, can could they, like, really be a blacklisted company? Because basically Liv is a blacklisted company here in the United States in terms of media rights. Nobody wants to touch them with a 10-foot pole. I mean, I, I mean, and really, what does this mean for the wrestling business? That's the big question as a fan. What does it mean for the wrestling business? It's not a good look. That's what makes me think that if it does get sold to the Saudis, like there is going to be some major hurdles to jump through. Like this won't be a smooth transaction. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, happen. There's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. I just, I, and then, you know, in terms of business, what does this mean for AEW? Could it mean that, you know, literally if WWE does become Saudi owned, they could, they could just outright buy anybody they want. That doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities. It's basically what Liv did. Liv just bought everybody. So I don't know. There's, it's, it's not a good look. There's still a lot of chips to fall and, we're going to keep monitoring the situation, but you know, th this is just a bad look. If you're a fan, I, as I am, this is, I'm only speaking on all of this as a fan and how I interpret all of this, how I see it. So it's not a good look. It's really bad. Like if you're a fan of WWE, like this should piss you off. It pisses me off to be quite frank. Now, like, yes, I get excited for the crown jewel shows. They're, they're, they always disappoint in a way like this would only be the the last one that they just had this year would be the only one that didn't disappoint everything else that has led up to this in a crown jewel event has absolutely sucked I don't know where we're going to go from here but just kind of wanted to get on here and talk about that and we're getting super excited for super wild card weekend uh, we're going to have the playoff preview pod they just came out and basically said two ain't playing on Sunday, so uh, it's going to be a Finn's loss. But uh, we're going to give you that. That's going to come out on a Saturday morning, and we're going to do the Dolphins um, review after the game on Sunday. I'm expecting a total blowout. I I expect the Dolphins to lose, but uh, we got a big show tonight with AEW. It's going to be the Escalera de la Muerte for the trios tag team titles. So super excited about that there. Who knows? Maybe Mercedes Monet is going to show up. Don't really think that's going to happen at this point, but you never know. And I'm really excited for AEW this week. I guess you got to be excited to see what happens in WWE. I Me, mean, this stuff is changing by the hour with, with this sale. So, um, just really wanted to get on here and talk about that. I really wanted to rehash what I had already talked about on the emergency pod and build upon what I did in the emergency pod. So 
Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to that and just always, you know, as always, download, rate, review, subscribe. We hit the milestone. We've already surpassed 1,100 uh, downloads, so we're doing really well, and we really appreciate all of you listeners out there. So uh, we will see you on Saturday for the playoff preview pod and That's So Dolphins Talk, and we will see you next week on The Podski.